Success Insight shares the stories of the people with passion and drive who make things happen in the world. Here's your host, Howard Fox. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Success Insight podcast. Our guest today is Paula Quinn. Paula and her nine-year-old daughter, Rosie, published My Hair Went on Vacation, a rhyming picture book to remind young readers that the differences are what make them special. Paula and Rosie are also the founders of Coming Up Rosie's, a nonprofit dedicated to fulfilling Rosie's dream to make kids with alopecia smile confidently, just like her. Paula Quinn, it's such a pleasure to have you on the Success Insight Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Howard. Well, when your publicist, Lori, who has been a guest, uh, or Lindsay has been a guest on our podcast, she and I were chatting and she goes, you've got to meet my friend Paula. She's got such a wonderful story. And I'm really uh, so appreciative that you had the time to, on your schedule, raising kids, That's that's makes means you have no time besides raising kids, just to come on and talk to us a little bit. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yes, I always make time for meeting new friends. Fantastic. <laughs> so, Paula, a question I have, I mean, you and Rosie, you published this book, My Hair Went on Vacation. So tell us a little bit more of what was the spark, the amber, that was the result of going out and embarking on writing a book, a children's book for that matter. That's such a good question. I feel like I owe all of my gratitude and kind of the reason why I wrote this book to one, not only one being Rosie, but two, when she was diagnosed, I really needed to go get some therapy. I needed help to kind of understand and wrap my arms around the diagnosis and how to raise a little girl at two and a half who loves herself unconditionally while being bald. I felt like that was a very overwhelming task. And so one day when I was in one of my therapy sessions, you know, my therapist suggested that I write down my feelings in a journal. I, I like to say I have this rule where I, I don't write anything down that I would never want published on the cover of the New York Times. It's just that's kind of good. Like, <laughs> that's, that's good. That's good. That's kind of how I feel. So instead I turned to write just like a little, a story of a book for Rosie, because it was really a tool to help me teach her at such a young age, two and a half, how to embrace her difference, how to uh, talk to people who come up to her and say, why are you bald? Are you a boy? Are you a girl? Are you a baby? It really turned into this vehicle and tool to teach Rosie. Now, for the cover and for the, the title, My Hair When I'm Vacation, additionally, I thought it was being a strong, stoic parent. But apparently, I wasn't. One day, Rosie saw me sad and I was sitting down and she came up to me. She was almost three. She put her hand on my shoulder and she said, mom, don't worry. My hair's just on vacation. Oh, wow. It, exactly. That's that. My response was like, oh, wow. Like, okay, here's this little person who is seeing this with a whole different lens. And maybe I should get on team Rosie. Like I'm, I'm going to join that team because it just, it kind of like woke me up. So from that day on, every night we would come up with adventures at bedtime. Where is your hair going tonight, Rosie? And we went to Disney World quite often in California to visit my family. So it was just, it just kind of evolved from me writing as a tool, but then also Rosie's idea, like I hear on a vacation, I just kind of blended the two and then I put it away. So this was back in 2013 when she was diagnosed. 2014, we kind of kept the book. I never really published it. I just would, we would just talk about it. And it wasn't until last year we were on vacation my husband were always thinking of ways to raise money for our foundation. And he said, out of the blue, 
he said, you know that book you wrote for Rosie like a long time ago? He's like, you should publish that, like finish it, publish it. And then all the proceeds can go back to the charity. And I was like, gosh, I don't even know. I even know where that book is. So I opened up my Google Drive. I searched Rosie's book and up it popped. And I was like, oh, this is this isn't that bad. I mean, obviously I had to kind of add the charity piece and kind of like what we're doing today. But once I did it, it just kind of came full circle. And and here we are today. I'm talking to you about my book. Fantastic. And I have to say, when you mentioned your daughter at two and a half, I mean, that is such a young age. And I would imagine a child of that age in some ways doesn't really know what's going on, just that something happened. And then when she comes up to you at three and says, don't worry, mom, it's like, there's a lot of insight in that little one there. He is. I mean, we always joked. I mean, this child was talking at like nine months old and she was always very precocious. And we call her like a little old lady because we feel like she's lived life before. Like she is so young and, and always has had such like wisdom. And she's really taught us a lot about embracing her difference and kind of owning it. In our family, I feel like almost the roles have been reversed. Like she's teaching us how to be better parents. You know, there's a phrase that was shared with me years ago about having an old soul. And and that's what it sounds like. I mean, Rosie has an old soul and somewhere came from somewhere, but it's part of her DNA and it just came out. And and your husband too, he's pretty wise too. Did you, I don't know if you've, if you've told him that, like, honey, you got to pull out that book. What about that book? That's pretty good. He is. I know. I feel like he, he is behind the scenes, but he is actually more in front of the scenes. He kind of, he's our rock and he kind of keeps us, you know, together. And he's very supportive. He was supportive of me leaving my corporate job to go and start this foundation. He's supportive of me going and writing a book. There's nothing that in his eyes that I can't do, which kind of gives me a lot of confidence just to take that risk and take that chance because, you know, it's a little scary like to fail. Like what if, you know, I start a foundation and, and it doesn't raise any money or what if I publish a book and no one reads it or no one gains anything from it? These are big life changes that happen to me. And I've always had him by my side, just kind of being like the number one cheerleader, which is helpful. Yes, most definitely. And, you know, the story is also one of you have these reminders that life is full of possibility, even when you're we all have bad days, down days. And then we remind ourselves of the journeys we've been on and these successes. And really that, you know, your daughter, she's nine years old now. And just imagine the changes and the events that have been a part of her life as a result of this journey. You are all on together. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I look back and the baby books, they don't prepare you for having a child with a physical difference. But to be honest, I don't think it would change anything. Like it's like you said, I've had a lot of hard days. I was in therapy for a very long time, but then there's always a silver lining with everything that we've done. And it kind of makes me realize that there is more to life than just kind of what you plan for. And sometimes life just doesn't go according to plan. And it's scary, but it's also fun and rewarding. You get what out of your life what you put in, essentially. Yeah, what you think about, you bring about. And so I'm curious, uh, with the book now, and for our listeners, you know, you do check out My Heroine on Vacation. If you know anybody, someone in your life, friends, family that have been affected by alopecia, this is a great book for them. And one thing I've learned too, Paula, and you'll probably agree is, at least I hope you'll agree, is that oftentimes children's books are perfect for adults as well. Yes, I 100% agree. I do. I do. 
so tell us a little bit more about my hero went on vacation. Kind of walk us through these these rhymes, the stories, and you know what's going on inside the book. I have to admit, so when, before I was married and had a child or children, family, I taught preschool in California at Stanford University. So I, three to five year olds, I was always you know was a teacher. And I fell in love with children's books. So it's kind of not ironic that I wrote a rhyming book because I think that those are the books like Dr. Seuss and the Gruffalo. These are all children's books that I really felt a connection to. So when I set out to write this, I kind of fell into that writing style just because I think it's fun. It's playful. And for the content of the story, originally it was just, you know, us talking about when Rosie would ask us, where did my hair go? And it's like, well, where, where did it go? You know, did it go to Africa? Did it go to Disney World? Just kind of asking these questions that we had no answers to. So that's kind of how the story started. And then when I picked it up, you know, subsequent years later, it turned into Rosie's journey with alopecia. When her hair fell out, she was confused, didn't know where it went. Then we came up with these magical journeys. Then she went to school and kids started pointing stare. And that brought a whole different element to how we talked about alopecia and how we talked about her difference. My husband and I tried to solve the problem of her feeling sad about her baldness. She didn't want to wear a wig. She didn't want to wear a hat all the time. She just wanted to be bald, but she didn't like how people were pointing and staring. So we came up with this idea to have a headscarf printed out of her artwork because she loved to paint. So that's kind of how the next part of the story talks about the headscarf and how we gave it to her. And when we did give it to her real time, she looked in the mirror and she was so proud of herself. She was smiling and she couldn't believe the look on her face. And she turns to me in such like in, like in a way. And she says, mom, I want to give this to all the bald kids. And at this time she was four. And I'm like, okay, honey, we're not, we're not giving bald, <laughs> scarves to the bald kids. Like, I think that's a really nice idea, but like, I have a job. This is for you. This is like to make you smile. And she subsequently bothered me or begged really for about six months. Every other day she would say, mom. Remember the remember my headscarf? We're gonna give it to the bald kids. And I'm like, oh, I'd kind of laugh it off. Like we'd be out in public and people notice the headscarf and they'd talk about it. She's like, yep, I'm gonna give this to all the bald kids. And of course, like everyone's like, well, that's a great idea. So everyone was was on, like I said again, Team Rosie to get these headscarves out to children, but me. Because I was, I was the one who envisioned, I'm like, I don't even know anything about running a foundation, getting bald, you know, kids, all of these headscarves. It was, it was very daunting. Talked about that part in the book. And then we just kind of at the end, we took the theme that we've, we've made. We did do the charity. We do send what we call these smile kits for children to create their own headscarves to wear with pride all over the U.S. And we just kind of end the story with Rosie just kind of at this place of self-acceptance. Very good. Very good. And tell us more about the foundation and the work that you're doing now, because now you've you know, you've you've got a little bit of experience at this. You, as you said, you gave up your day job, so now yeah. you, you have a new day job. It's got a lot of different kinds of complexity. So, what are you and Rosie doing now within the the foundation? We originally started the foundation with just us, the premise of us donating what we call these little smile kits. It's basically a canvas paint pots and brushes. And it's all portable so that children can do it bedside if they're in the hospital or if I need to mail it to them. So essentially what we do is we set up these, we donate, you know, a handful or 20 or so smile kits to children's hospitals. And we're over 
we're in today, we're in 27 children's hospitals in the US. And wow. we've just kind of grown through word of mouth. The child life specialist is who we work with at these hospitals to distribute these smile kits. We've donated over close to 1,700 of these smile kits since we started in 2016. We've partnered with the National Alopecia Foundation in Australia and the National Alopecia Foundation in Canada, in Ireland. We've done, you know, virtual scarf, like headscarf making parties. We did a huge scarf party for the National Alopecia Foundation here in the United States where there was 85 children where we sat in a big meeting room and they all, you know, drew their images and I, you know, took pictures of every single one of them and mailed them to them directly. Our goal is just to make any child who's going through a medical journey. I think our first you know, reason to do this was for children with baldness. But soon after we were donating to the hospitals, we would have child life specialists, you know, approach us and say, you know, I have a child who's getting a heart transplant and they really want to make a cape. I'm like, go for it. Like this is this is for anyone, anyone that can temporarily get them out of their mindset of being in the hospital and being scared for a surgery or a procedure. If it this 20 minute, 38 minute activity brings them a smile we're all for it. So that's kind of where we are right now. We're just, we're just growing and we're just trying to raise funds to keep up because once you donate 20 kits and the hospital comes back about a year later, like we need more. We have these 27 hospitals that we have to replenish them each year as well. It keeps us very busy. I can imagine now I, there's a couple of questions that are, one is an obvious one that I probably have missed at the onset is share a little bit about what alopecia areata is and it's interesting, as I shared with you before we actually turned on the record button on the podcast, I have a coworker who has alopecia. Now, I know I've heard of it, but I don't know much about it. So could you give us a minute, two-minute description of what it is and how prevalent is it with children? Yes. So alopecia is an autoimmune disease. So it's a part of that mixed bag of diseases that for whatever reason, you have them underlying and there can be any sort of trigger that can kind of make it present itself in your body. With Rosie, we don't know. All of a sudden, she just started, her hair started to fall out. It did coincide with me going back to work for my maternity, uh, with my second maternity leave. So then imagine that all that guilt that went along with it. But my doctor's assured, like, this was, it was going to happen at some point. So don't beat yourself up too much. It does affect up to almost 6.8 million people alone in the United States. Now, I will say that. There's three different types of alopecia. There's alopecia areata, which is the most common. And that's just basically coin size hair loss patches and easily coverable. You know, maybe you have one or two patches. Some people get them, like if men, they get them in their beard. Some people get, you know, a patch on their eyebrow or their eyelashes. That's most of like what people have. The second part is alopecia totalis, which is just your scalp. You lose all the hair on your scalp, all of it. And then the third alopecia is alopecia universalis, and that is total body hair loss. And of the 1% of people of alopecia, that there's a small 1% who has universalis, which is what Rosie has. So Rosie is rare, 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 rare. It's very rare for young children to present itself. It's usually the onset is, you know, 20s to 40s, sometimes later on in life. You know, as you can imagine, having a two-year-old with total body hair loss from eyebrows, eyelashes, everything, the doctors were, you know, kind of intrigued by it. But also there's really, there is no treatment or cure 
for this disease. Um, they've made some advances, but they're really, it's just kind of like a wait and see. And there are some therapies you can do, but none of them were really safe for our two-year-old at the time. Sure. Sure. Okay. And another question that was kind of kindled as you were describing what you were doing with the foundation, I'm, I'm wondering about COVID-19 because, I mean, heck, we're almost all of us are in quarantine or still different extents to quarantine. I mean, I work out of my house, so I'm, I'm actually used to being self and self quarantine is, you know, I do my podcast, my coaching, and I imagine these get togethers where you would create the head scarves, et cetera. I'm wondering, has this COVID-19 and being on zoom, I mean, we're on zoom right now recording this podcast, is that created more global opportunities to have any type of creation day where you come in and do create your head scarf via zoom? Yes. Yes and no. Um, so from the connectivity part, yes, we were able to have a scarf party with Canada. We've done some virtual events, just one off here and there. In terms of the hospitals, it's been really, really hard to donate things. And that's for twofold. They're kind of putting pause on um, donations just because, you know, they're just trying to minimize risk of, of bringing things into the hospital. But secondarily, Crayola was shut down for three months, the factory. And we use Crayola paints because they're non-toxic and they're safe. And I just couldn't get paints from my wholesaler. So that kind of posed a little problem. So with the workaround, which is use art supplies that the hospitals already had or that children had at home. But I think the biggest, the biggest sadness for us with COVID is that every other month we go to the Ronald McDonald house and we paint with the families. And it's such a fun way for Rosie to, you know, see her mission in real time. And you get to see people who maybe are bald like her or just are getting a heart transplant. And with COVID, they've really had to kind of close that volunteerism down. So that is is kind of sad. I mean, we've been able to still send supplies and materials, but it's just not the same. Oh yeah. So let, let's chat a little bit about Rosie for a second. I mean, I mean, she sounds just like a remarkable young lady, nine years old now. How have you seen her grow and blossom and what has come about as a result of this illness with alopecia? How has she kind of changed? Like I said, she was always an old soul, but it's really, you know, when we were, when she was first diagnosed, the doctor's like, oh, you know, she's too, she's egocentric. She's not really going to notice the hair loss or care about it until she's about, you know, seven or eight. And that, you know, we left the, the office thinking, oh gosh. And he's like, most children are in therapy and that, because they, they don't know how to handle the sociological impact and the emotional impact that's placed on them. It's like a, it wreaks havoc on, on their little souls. So, I mean, it was our husband's and my, we were our mission to make sure that she was just to remain as happy as she was at two, as she is at nine. And the irony of this is that she loves being bald and she loves the way she looks and she has remained confident, which is the best gift that, you know, we could give her. And I think it's just driven by her own, just her own being and her own personality. She's always a very optimistic, positive little girl, always has been. And, you know, I mean, she has her bad days, but she is just truly embracing it and upbeat and it's just kind of, it's nice to see that she, I, I'm not worried about her. Like I, I don't, I don't worry about her growing up and going to college and, and getting a job one day. 
secondarily, I think the level of empathy that she has gained from this at such a young age is truly incredible. Like she has been forced to really embrace other children who are different. So like if she sees someone in a wheelchair, she'll wave and she'll smile and she'll go up and talk to them. And whereas most kids, even like her sister, sometimes they're afraid to see children who may look different. And not Rosie. She just goes up there and she's like, hi, I'm Rosie. I'm different too. And she has this like kinship with these children. It's a beautiful gift to see, especially when you go to the Ronald McDonald house. She's truly has this, like her empathy has grown a thousand percent. And I wish I had an ounce of her empathy. So like I said, we learn a lot from her. It's beautiful to watch. I mean, again, she sounds like just a wonderful young lady. And now I know you have a, a couple other kids. I have a daughter named Caroline. Okay. Two years younger. She's seven. Okay. She is Rosie's biggest fan. She Rosie's protector. Like on the days that Rosie doesn't want to talk about her difference, Caroline will go up there and say, well, this is my sister. She's Rosie. She's bald. She's not a baby. She has alopecia. And so they they really look out for each other, which is, which is, it's very cute to see. Fantastic. Now, any uh, pets in the house too? We have a dog and I, I'm, I'm trying to hope that he doesn't start barking spontaneously. And like every single time the doorbell rings, he goes crazy. But Enzo is our little dog. Enzo. And- you know, I, I've learned, you know, uh, at, least, at least on podcasts, things happen. So if Enzo starts going on a, uh, a barking fit, that's, all, uh, that's a feature of the show. Well, he's a part of the family too. He probably just wants to say hi. <laughs> there you go. So I'm curious now that, you know, the, the book is out. You know, my heroine on vacation, the foundation, and again, where I have no doubts that once we can fully navigate beyond COVID nineteen, some sense of normality is going to come back to our daily lives. Hopefully, yeah. what do you see as coming up next for you and the family and Rosie on this this journey? Because you, you started something; it's not like you can just stop it. Oh, you know what, Howard, that you have asked the million dollar question. I'm actually glad that Rosie is not sitting here because she's like, I want to give this to every single children's hospital. I want them all. I want every child to have a smile kit. And, you know, I'm doing my research. There's like 300 children's hospitals in the U.S. I'm like, oh, so, I mean, she has grandiose plans. For me, the way that we have it, we truly treat this as a family charity. And we we started this to make Rosie smile. And by, by proxy, we were making thousands of kids smile. And like you said, you just can't turn off the faucet. So I've told ourselves that as a family, we're going to, we're going to do this as long as it feels good. And, you know, we have also told Rose, you know, when she goes off to college, like she's going to make a decision. Does she want to continue this on her own? Or do we want to maybe, you know, have, be, have it morph into something else that's still giving, but not as labor intensive on me? <laughs> But we don't, I don't know. Like, I just, I think right now we're just taking day by day and we're lucky to come up with new ideas and, and new opportunities kind of pop up that we're like, oh, that sounds like fun. But I think our immediate goal is just to, you know, keep it going as long as we can and, and try to make an, a value and an impact to these kiddos who might feel really sad about their difference. Fair enough. And one last question authoring the book. I mean, that is no small feat, no matter if you had a notebook, you know, with content in it, but I've never been married. I don't have any kids, but I equated writing a book to birthing a baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what, what was it like to, to not only produce the book, you had the artists with the, the drawings, you had 
Now, and I know you're working with uh, publicists to help get the book out there. What's what's that part of the journey been like for you? You know, I, I feel like I've kind of lucked out. I mean, writing the book was was hard, but it also, it filled my bucket. It was like something that made me feel good. And so I think I had a like an inner passion and a flame and a drive just to do it. I also had, I like to call Lori is just like a guardian angel. Like she, you know, is my, now my publisher, but she had published a book. And when my husband brought this idea, it I, like, I thought of her, I was like, Oh wait, my friend Lori, she just wrote a book. Maybe I'll just talk to her about what her process was like. What, what, it, what do you do? What's the first thing you should do? And, and she walked me through it and she offered to read my book. And she's like, Oh my goodness, I should put you in touch with my publisher. And it just kind of snowballed from there. And I do believe that people are in your life for a reason. And I think Lori, you know, being a friend, but also she just, she just has kind of, you know, helped me in ways more than I even knew I needed at the time. So I would love to pay it forward. So if there's any writers out there that want to try to, you know, I would, I would love to do the same for somebody else because it was such a tremendous gift for me to have Lori just kind of walk me through that because there's all these questions and you know, what do you do? How do you edit? How do you, you know, it's just, how do you even, what, where do you publish? Cause it's, it's daunting. If you do a Google search on how to publish a children's book, a thousand results come up and it's, it's like too much information. So I, I think I really lucked out. It is daunting. No doubt about that. Paula, if our listeners would like to learn more about you and Rosie and the journey, where are the best places for them to go? So they can go to our website, cominguprosies.com. We're on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, I mean, if you just type in Rosie Quinn, smiling Google, she kind of, some of her videos pop up from some of the past events that she's done or some of the press that she's gained. But yeah, we're, website would probably be the best. And if you have any questions or if you know someone who has alopecia or is, is going through cancer treatment, you know, you can request a smile kit on our website and we send them for free. It's the, the benefit of being a charity. Visit our website. Fantastic. Well, we will most definitely uh, provide the backlinks to comingaprosies.com and the Facebook and the Instagram and also on LinkedIn. And, you know, we'll put a link back to uh, Lori and her, her company, the first publicist, and, you, you know, throw, put the credit out there where, where it's due and create a, uh, a movement going forward. Paul, it's been such a pleasure to have you on the Success Insight podcast and for you to share your journey, Rosie's journey, and really just looking forward to seeing how that journey continues and really the next step on that vacation, so to speak. Thank you so much, Howard. It was so nice to spend time with you today. I appreciate it. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. All right, folks, we've just been chatting with Paula Quinn. Paula and her nine-year-old daughter, Rosie, published the book, My Hair Went on Vacation, a rhyming picture book to remind young readers that their differences are what make them special. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And again, if you know anyone, a family member, a friend, an acquaintance uh, that has been affected by, you know, alopecia and just the the impact with the hair loss. I mean, this is just a wonderful foundation that Paula and Rosie and the family have put together coming up. Rosie's and do take advantage of going out to the website and learning more about their great work. Do leave us a comment on our website, successinsightpodcast.com. We're also on LinkedIn and Facebook. We have our pages there, Success Insight Podcast. You can find this on YouTube. 
And oh my God, where else? Everywhere. Uh, we're on all the podcast channels iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and even now Amazon Music. So, folks, uh, again, I hope you enjoyed this episode with Paula Quinn. And wherever you are, whatever you're doing, go out there, have a phenomenal day. Take care of yourselves, take care of your family, wear your mask, practice social distancing. And just given the timing of this podcast, when you listen to it, make sure you've prepared. Go out there and vote. It's important now more than ever. All right. We'll see you on the next episode of the Success Insight Podcast. Take care now. Success Insight is a production of Fox Coaching and First Story Strategies. Find us online, successinsightpodcast.com. 